We all know that stroke is a big deal, but are you doing anything to reduce your risks? Hey everybody, Dr. Aaron Wenzel here, and I'm the host of the Concierge Medicine Show, where we give you real conversations to be having with your doctor in 30 minutes or less, totally for free, every week. In this week's show, we're going to be talking about stroke. Welcome to episode 10. You know, technically speaking, a stroke falls under the category of what we call heart disease, along with uh, high blood pressure and actually a heart attack. Stroke falls in this umbrella term that we call heart disease. In today's show, I'm going to be giving you the seven most important things that you need to be doing to be to ensure that you are reducing your risk of stroke and give you two conversations that you need to be having with your doctor today. First of all, I feel like we really need to define what a stroke is. A stroke is a medical term that uh, is used to define the death of brain cells. Just like uh, in heart attack, heart attack is the scientific term that we use to define the death of cardiac cells or heart cells. When brain cells die, we call that a stroke. There are two types of strokes, ischemic and hemorrhagic. We're going to talk about both, but let's first talk about ischemic stroke. Ischemic stroke is far and away the most common Upwards of 90% of all strokes are ischemic. The term ischemic basically means no blood flow. And so if you have some physiologic phenomena that stops blood flow downstream, you get death because behind blood flow is life. And when you stop the blood flow, things die. Um, in the world of ischemic stroke, we've got two subcategories um, and this can get a little bit confusing with the labeling, but just bear with me because I think it's important to at least have heard this uh, uh, or it may help, uh, you know, uh, explain maybe something that you've gone through or know somebody that has gone through this. So in the world of ischemic stroke, we've got embolic and thrombotic. Embolic uh, is from an embolism. An embolism is when a, a plaque... Um, which is a cholesterol buildup, which we've talked about in other shows, specifically uh, the cholesterol show we episode, we talk about <clears throat> a cholesterol plaque. But when a plaque way downstream, another part of your body breaks off and comes up into your brain as it hits a small enough artery that feeds blood to your brain, it blocks that blood flow and tissue downstream dies. That's a embolic stroke. A thrombotic stroke is a similar ph phenomena in that a plaque is breaking off, but it's usually localized. It's usually an artery within the brain that break uh, a clot breaks off and goes shortly downstream. So very, very similar, but different in the sense that they're coming from different areas. You know, the, the embolic stroke is uh, the most common and it's most commonly from uh, conditions like atrial fibrillation, where your heart kind of quivers and doesn't pump. That quivering of atrial fibrillation puts you at risk for developing a clot within your heart. And it's shooting up through your heart, up through your, 
your arteries in your neck and landing in your brain and causing an embolic stroke. The next type of stroke, now that we've classified an ischemic stroke, both thrombotic and embolic, again, I know this gets kind of a little bit redundant, but uh, it's, it's super important to understand this. The second type of stroke you can get is called a hemorrhagic stroke, which is hemorrhage, is, as you probably can, can uh, infer, it means bleeding. It, it, it causes from a phenomena of, of blood leaving. So this isn't a clot, it's you're bleeding. And uh, these are way less common, less than 15%. Some data suggests that it's around 10% or less of all strokes. But here's the scary part. 50%, so half of the people who die from a stroke, regardless of what type of stroke it is, die from hemorrhagic stroke. So a hemorrhagic stroke is the real killer. Hemorrhagic stroke accounts for 50% of all deaths due to stroke, no matter the cause of the stroke. Because this is a much less common type, I won't bore you with a lot of the details. I'll quickly just run through the different classifications. But within hemorrhagic stroke, you have subgroups uh, called intracerebral, which is the most common. Um, this is bleeding within the brain. The second type of uh, hemorrhagic stroke is a subarachnoid bleed, and this is really due to bleeding around the brain. Most commonly, you can have malformations, the way that you're born with the way that the arteries connect, those can rupture, or head trauma can cause subarachnoid hemorrhages. But essentially, the bleeding type is a subarachnoid or an intra cerebral. So here are the five most important factors that you need to be focusing on to reduce your risk of heart disease. And what you're going to find is, is if you've spent some time with us and you were in the heart disease uh, episode, a lot of these are going to sound really similar. But keep in mind, stroke and heart attack are both under the umbrella of heart disease and collectively are known um, as the number one killers in the world, heart disease. And so we, we really need to get this down. Number one, we need to improve cholesterol numbers. And if you have some confusion around what I'm really trying to say here, please refer back to episode one, I believe, where we're talking about cholesterol. What does it really mean? What do the numbers mean? What are your numbers? But as a quick, very quick brief overview, Total cholesterol really means nothing. What we really need to be looking at is the numbers within the total cholesterol. What are the segments? What are the individual values? Specifically, what is your HDL? H, we want as high as possible. What are your HDL numbers? If they're not above 55, you've got some work to do there. You really need those HDL numbers to be high. LDL, specifically your small, dense LDL. We want those as low as possible. I take my private clients, I want their LDL under 100. That's my goal. And when we look at the, LD, the small, dense LDL, we really want those as low as possible. Um, the next value we really want to be looking at within our cholesterol panel are our triglycerides. Uh, we definitely want them under 150. I like my clients under 100 for triglycerides. And remember, it's this ratio between 
low HDL, low good cholesterol, and high triglycerides that is absolutely stroke and heart attack waiting to happen. We've got to flip those lipids to where we get high HDL and low triglycerides to put ourselves out of harm's way for stroke and heart attack. It's very, very critical. The second thing you need to really be focusing on is blood pressure. Listen, I am astounded by how many of my colleagues uh, will push aside a mildly elevated blood pressure. Listen, a blood pressure that's mildly elevated isn't a problem today or next week or next month, but the long-term wear and tear of having high blood pressure hitting, excuse me, the blood vessels in your brain is really devastating. By definition, a blood pressure above 135 over 90 is hypertension. A lot of people have blood pressure over 135 over 90. 130 over 85, actually, I think is, is, is the, the, the textbook definition. I think I might have misspoke there. 130 over 85. This is really serious business. Um, obviously, you don't want low blood pressure, but low normal. I like my, my private clients under 120 uh, for the systolic, the top number, and under 80 uh, for the diastolic. And you certainly can do that with fat loss. Uh, you can do it with moderating your salt intake. Um, and you can do it with exercise. But really getting serious about lowering your blood pressure um, can really take you out of harm's way. Number three, which, again, if you spend more than three seconds with me, you know this is, this is my, my religion, which is you've got to fix your diet. You've got to fix your diet because most of us are eating things that raise blood sugar. And when your blood sugar is elevated, you have an insulin response. And of all of the inflammatory markers that are flying around your body, the one that I'm most concerned about is elevated insulin. And so a diet that triggers insulin responses, you are playing with fire. You've got to eat things that don't raise your blood sugar. And of all of the things you can put in your mouth that raise your blood sugar, nothing raises it more than carbohydrates. You really got to take control of your carbohydrate intake and limit your carbohydrate intake to some fruits, not a lot, and only certain types, and veggies. You really, outside of that, you really need to eliminate or put an incredible restriction on the amount of bread, grain, rice, pastas that you're eating and, and soft drinks. These are obvious things that you can take out of your diet that will definitely help. Number four, you got to stop smoking. Listen, we all know people who smoke their whole life and never get lung cancer. I don't want you to get lung cancer, but my concern with smokers isn't them getting lung cancer. My concern with smokers is that they're going to get heart disease and stroke. Only 10%. 10 out of 100 smokers will ever get lung cancer. 90 won't. But 100 out of 100 will end up with heart disease or stroke. The reason is, is that smoking is a toxin and the toxin irritates the lining of blood vessels and that irritation causes inflammation. Inflammation causes leaky, penetrable walls. And when that opens due to inflammation, the cholesterol then embeds and forms plaques. Smoking is, it's a big, big deal. And if you're a diabetic who smokes, goodness, this is, you are feeding the dragon of heart disease and stroke. So please, I know it's hard, but you got to find a way to quit. We'll talk more about how to do that a little bit later on in the show. 
And number five, I've alluded to this through fixing your diet, but you have to normalize your blood sugar. The holy grail of weight loss, and in my opinion, the holy grail of all diseases is you have to normalize your blood sugar because in states of high blood sugar, you're in a hyperinsulin state and it's that insulin that is causing all of these diseases to be flared up. Not to mention high sugars feed cancer and a, and a host of other negative consequences, which we'll get into a, a future episode where we cover cancer, but you got to normalize your blood sugar. So with all of these things, what are the conversations you need to be having with your doc? And it really boils down to just two, in my opinion. Number one, and we've talked a lot about this on this show, strict carbohydrate control should be at the backbone of your plan, right? That makes sense. Carbohydrates raise, raise blood sugar more than anything. And with an elevated blood sugar, you're in a hyperinsulin state. The other things that carbohydrate control does is helps you get control of what we call metabolic syndrome, which we uh, did a couple of episodes ago, a whole show about metabolic syndrome, which at its root is insulin resistance. So diet control is the most valuable thing you could do in order to prevent your risk of stroke is fixing your diet. And in my opinion, the greatest effort, the greatest return on your effort is going to be on carbohydrate restricting. Um, and not only does it treat the insulin phenomena, but it's going to improve your cholesterol numbers. Uh, it, it decreases your waistline. It's going to allow you to lose weight. It's going to increase your productivity because you're not going to be as heavy. The increased fitness is going to decrease your hypertension, etc., etc. You really have got to, if you were to just to do one thing, fix your diet. The second conversation around your, uh, with your physician that I really want you to have is if you smoke, listen, I know it's hard. It's super hard. The trouble with smokers is that smokers like smoking. Be one thing if you didn't like it, if you didn't like it, it'd be easy. Matter of fact, when I talk to people who've actually quit smoking, Oh, they can't stand the sight, the thought, the smell of cigarette smoke. The challenge with quitting an addiction like cigarettes or nicotine is that when you like it, it's hard. The other thing that I find with people who are trying to quit smoking is that there is this notion that you can wean off. And I just, I just don't see that. I don't see it in real life. I actually know zero people who were able to wean off of cigarettes. Zero. The only people who quit smoking are the people that say, this is it, no more, I'm done, I'm finished, this is the last pack, this is the last cigarette, I'm over it, boom, cold turkey. Cold turkey is the only way to quit cigarettes because if you're trying to wean off and slow down, you're always just one bad day away from ramping back up. It has to be a decision and a decision is to cut off any other option. You got to burn the boats. You, you've got to make it a must. And, and I would encourage you to try, even if you've tried 7,000 times to quit, try a 7,000 and first time because this one will be it. Make it a must. 
If you need some help, there are medications like Chantex. Just a quick word about Chantex. It does take away the craving for nicotine, which can help if it's a craving issue that you can't get away from. But what it will not help you with is your desire. It will not help you not like cigarettes. You've got to get that down first. You have to decide that your health is worth it, that your family is worth it, that your children, your grandchildren are worth it, that your legacy is worth it. You've got to find a way to quit smoking. So this is a huge topic. It's a massive killer. Um, It falls under the category of uh, heart disease. It is massively contributing to the deaths caused by coronary artery disease or heart disease. In many cases, it's totally preventable, and I want that for you. And if I were to give you just the two things that would give you the greatest yield, it is fix your diet, get off of cigarettes. Those are the two things that I um, could give you. Um, You know, the, the, the other kind of ancillary thoughts before we jump off the show here is, you know, are there any other risk factors outside of diet and um, um, smoking that you need to be taking into consideration as you move through life about your risk for stroke? And just some really quick thoughts. We don't need to dive into deep. If it applies to you, great. If not, just file it away. Number one, blood thinners. There are a lot of people who have conditions like atrial fibrillation where they're on medicines like Coumadin. Uh, where they thin their blood. And the reason they're on those medicines is to prevent the risk of a clot forming in the heart in the first place. But although it reduces the risk of the heart, if you fall and hit your head, obviously you're now at risk for bleeding, a different type of stroke. So that's something to keep in mind. Only be on them if you need to be on them. They're extremely effective, but at the same time make them extremely dangerous. Risks versus benefits. As with any medicine, measure the risks versus the benefits. Have these conversations with your doctor. The other underlying risk factors that aren't super common, but they're common enough to to mention briefly is clotting disorders. A lot of folks have a family history of blood clots, a lot in your legs, Um, factor five, Leiden, antithrombin three, et cetera. There's a a handful of other uh, clotting disorders that you didn't do anything wrong to get them, but they are definitely putting you at risk. You need to have conversations with your doctor if you have a family history of blood clots, There are blood panels that you can uh, run to test to see if you have any genetic predispositions for these uh, conditions. And, you know, again, with family history, any history of sudden death, sudden stroke in a young age, you might want to consider having some evaluation of your brain with a CAT scan or maybe even an MRI looking for some of these malformations where you have a genetic predisposition for um, some of these vessels to rupture. You definitely need to know about that. Typically those are run in families and they're genetic and you would have some family history as a trigger. Not everybody needs to run out and go get an MRI or a CAT scan. So here are the big take-home points. Take-home point number one is you got to normalize your blood pressure. The best way to do that I know of is to lose weight. Uh, The best way to lose weight is to control your diet, specifically carbohydrate intake, uh, also controlling your salt intake. Take home point number two, you've got to find a way or make a way to quit smoking. It's an absolute must. 
Um, you got to find a way to normalize your blood sugar, and it doesn't matter if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, or you just don't want to ever become diabetic. This is not even about diabetes. It's about controlling your blood sugar, whether you're diabetic or not. It is at the core of what we're trying to achieve. Um, and you got to figure out if you have any family history that puts you in in any increased risk for some of these types of strokes as you kind of move through life. I hope you enjoyed the show. That's all I've got for today's episode. Please leave your comments, your questions, what you like, what maybe you'd like to hear more of, some discussion around. I love the engagement. I love you leaving comments. Click the like button. Uh, share this with some family and friends. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. We're, this show is being produced both on iTunes as a podcast and on YouTube as a video blog. Um, please subscribe, leave a review. It would mean the world to me. And until our paths meet again, I hope you have an awesome week. Go get them. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for watching the show. I'm sure it goes without saying, but I feel compelled to share with you. Obviously, I want to help uh, as many people as possible. Um, but before you make any medical changes, please, please consult with your physician. Don't do any of this on your own. Um, you don't want to put yourself in any harm's way. And um, again, thanks a bunch for watching the show. If you have any questions or comments, again, please leave them and we'll get back to you. Take care.